The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. ISTE is right around the corner and Classcraft has something to share. Stay tuned to the podcast and keep your eyes on Twitter to see how Classcraft is going to once again change the way school is played. To learn more about Classcraft and get started on the road to the most fun you've ever had at school, visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. How far are we willing to go? That's a better question. To be safe. Welcome to On Education. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will debate whether having a beautiful school helps student learning. We will also discuss the privacy issues with security systems at school and whether we are overemphasizing the push to get our students into computer science degrees. Glenn. Yes. Are the Raptors going to win the NBA finals? It looks like that way. I mean, three to one. That would be a crazy comeback. I've only seen it happen actually once. The Boston the Raptors are going to win. The Raptors are going to win the NBA finals. But if they Glenn. don't. Wouldn't that be the biggest collapse ever known to man? <laughs> so now the yeah, pressure is back on the Raptors. <laughs> I right, actually, I actually think be... that they will. They will end up winning it. Probably this next game. Uh, the Warriors, my goodness. I can honestly say I didn't watch any games at all this year that had the Warriors on there. So when I saw them playing, I'm like, my goodness, they're like a, uh, a different version, a a shadow of what they used to be. Um, and they mm. definitely don't look like themselves. Even Steph Curry, uh, and I, he looks like something's wrong with him or something, or maybe it just finally all caught up with him. Uh, they just well, he don't. Did get 40, he did get 47 points, though, in game three. Yeah, but it's, it. yeah, I mean, he's trying to make up for the loss of Clay not even playing. So, yeah, no, I mean, they, they definitely look like they're going to win now uh and i don't know it it looked that was one of the ugliest games i've ever seen i mean it was horrible oh, you're talking about... this last yeah, yeah, game yeah. this game uh that, that would have been game four uh if yeah. anybody's keeping up with the things it's probably one of the ugliest games of basketball i've ever seen and like i told you i well, coached certainly the first half yeah no i mean i i was think the worst. i just think that it looks really 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 disorganized not like the Warriors of the past where I saw a lot of ball movement and a lot of free flowing offense. Uh, and maybe that's yeah. because of the loss of Kevin Durant and who knows what it actually is due to, but uh, the Raptors definitely look like they're, they're going to uh, get that NBA championship for you guys. And it probably will happen by this next episode. Uh, that's, I mean, it's more than likely going to end up happening for the next episode. So you can be, you and the Canadians can all uh, celebrate and, and be pumped your first someone would that be your first the, the blue jays won oh, yeah. right didn't the blue jays oh, yeah, win a yeah, championship yeah. It, it wouldn't be our first um professional sports championship yeah and then obviously the J- your the jays maple, went leafs, back to back. maple leafs too have won yep. the nhl okay yep um, not in a while but yeah yeah but it, i mean at one point or another so the first nba championship so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah big deal someone's someone's gonna be a little bit richer yeah yeah you should have bet me more man I, if i were you i, I would have <laughs> I mean, I I thought that that All was a, it was a lock. Yeah, I yeah, thought man. it was a, definitely a lock, and I was wrong. 
So we, uh, I don't know what to think of this, but I'm just going to take it for what it is and be pretty damn happy about it. This, uh, this list, this EdTech uh, magazine top 30 influencers in K-12 education. And listen, we're on it. We're on it, man. Have we arrived? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what to think of it either, but anytime we get any kind of uh, press and it's unsolicited yeah. press, yeah, I actually yeah. went back because I'm interested. Not only does this list have some, I mean, really amazing people on it. Jennifer uh-huh. Gonzalez, Alice Keeler, uh, our main mm-hmm. man, Michael Bonner, is on this list. And you know what? They really don't do it justice. Uh, I don't really like the part where they put about Michael Bonner. They could have put a the link to the Ellen video, what he's actually done for youth, what his message is. And instead, it's just like it's this little blurb. I, it, they, whoever yeah, Bonner put, got a bit of a raw deal who, on this. Whoever put this together really just had to search for about two minutes and find a million things about Michael Bonner uh, that are super inspirational to other people. Now, our part is just taken I, directly from our web page, you know. And it's I just, would also say they could have gotten our names right. Yeah, like yeah. our 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 you know whatever. Yeah, Anyways. yeah. No, I mean it just it seemed like it was thrown together. But I did go back and look at previous years. Uh, okay, they wrote this uh, in a different way. It was more like blog posts uh, that you should follow. In uh, the previous uh-huh. year was the 50 most influential blog, uh, educational blogs you should be following. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, they had George Kuros on there and a whole bunch of other people that we know. So they are picking who I would say are like for real legit people, you know. And so yep. I guess we I'll take the honor. <laughs> it's OK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I was talking I was talking to someone in a Twitter DM um, this morning and I just said to her, listen, we're going to. We're going to take it. We're going to be happy about it. I don't know whether it's if it's fluff or if it means anything, but uh, it was nice to be like you said, anytime you're recognized by anyone without, you know, we didn't even I didn't even know that this existed until no. someone someone shared it with me. Yes. Um, uh, Jen Womble from FETC. Uh, I got it from her and she was like, you're on this. Uh, did she tell me or she just she just tweeted about it. And and it was like, oh, my God, we're on this. I saw her in the picture that they have in like that header picture. Yes. Our logo was on there. And I'm like, what the hell is our logo doing there? I, I don't. Can, <laughs> I mean, I was surprised. That was our so picture. Anyways, That's we'll, funny, too. I like that. Right, right. <laughs> the picture so, of me and Mike is our logo, which is cool. I'm, right. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, and yeah. you could misspell on education and call it one education. And it still has the link to our podcast, though. So come and listen to us. <laughs> right. So we'll take it. We're happy for it. It's um, it's it's a it's a good honor, and uh, and we're pretty. Listen, we're working our butts off. We're we're doing a lot. Uh, I'm on a plane in less than seventy two hours Ooh, to yeah. Austin, Texas, and uh, and going to be there for a couple of days, and then I literally come home for less than twelve hours, and I'm on a plane again um to or less than 24 hours and then i'm on a plane again to milwaukee wisconsin where uh we will glenn and i will be together at usm summer spark and then we're home for a couple of days and then we're on a plane again to uh, philadelphia yes uh and you know we have we have panels uh galore at badge summit we're doing interviews at badge summit then we're doing we've lined up um tons of not tons but i mean we're doing a little bit less Adisti this year, I think, than last year, but the quality is going to be 
going to be great. We have Matt Miller who's going to join us. Jennifer Williams is going to join us. We're going to talk to our BFF, Sean and Devin Young from Classcraft. And uh, listen, it's going to be uh, a pretty bonkers three weeks. Uh, and that's just, you know, we're working hard. We're trying to, to talk to people and to share out what they're doing and, and make a difference. So, um, so this really just exciting stuff to show that, show that we're working on that pretty hard. Come the, the articles that have come up this week have been pretty interesting. This one, this one's pretty sweet. Does a stunning school help learning? Tell us about that just a little bit. Glenn. Um, so the article's based in Scotland, but I just thought this, the topic is very relevant to just education in general. We talk uh, and have spoken a lot of times about schools being in shambles and uh, schools, uh, districts not being able to basically rebuild schools that are crumbling, crumbling schools, infrastructure and right. those types of things. So in this case, there's this school and they uh, nicknamed it Legoland. Uh, it, is, it definitely is an architectural wonder of the world as I, as beautiful, it, you'll want to take a, a look at it, uh, click our link in our show notes, uh, because not only is the outside of the school stunning, the inside of the school is just phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's it, the thing I could notice right away about it is that it feels spacious. You can see flexible seating for the students, all kinds of different things that they're working on. It is a a beautiful place. So the question is, basically, as far as an article, does it make a difference as far as the education is concerned? Uh, they do interview some people, uh, both the, let's say, the architect, the leaders within the school, the teachers, and maybe even some students. And they all are positively responding to this. But of, I would say, of course you are. You're like, this is the place where you're working at and the place where you uh, learn at and you're going to say positive things about it because you're there. So the question is, do it is having a really stunning, beautiful place going to affect uh, the outcomes, the student learning? The answer is obviously yes. <laughs> the answer is obviously yes. Even if it's marginal, the answer is yes. I mean, if you are working in a nice, clean, safe, comfortable environment, the learning and the you, opportunities to, to learn will be better. I mean, there's, it's not a, you, you just said I, clean, I safe, comfortable. This place is like ridiculously expensive, extravagant, luxurious. It's not just clean I, and safe. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? It's over the top. So do we the need those still, over the top? No, but the answer is still yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is still yes. I okay. mean, I, I, we can talk about whether you spend on a new school $5 million or $45 million. And we can talk about whether what the commensurate outcome increase between 5 and $45 million is. That's an awesome discussion that is totally worth having if we have those examples because that's an interesting topic but if you're tearing down an old rundown school and building a nice new beautiful one obviously the answer is yes so um i just don't know if like what the value is relative to the money spent you know at a certain point are you it's about diminishing returns it's about you know how much more are you getting for the amount of money you're spending i i, I get that as the counterpoint yeah. And I mean, my biggest counterpoint to the entire thing is that you don't need a stunning school, but there are some essential elements of, that a building must provide. And some of them you just spoke about, which would be that obviously it needs to be an environment where you can learn. So things like having windows have been proven that 
are important things to have real sunlight in. A lot of places. Windows. Yeah, no, I'm serious. There's, uh, I don't know if you know that, but a lot of our buildings in the United States actually don't provide windows. And a lot of it is because of safety. Uh, so we have a lot of classrooms that don't actually have a window to the outside world. And if you are you serious? Yeah. And if you don't, I actually think it's against the law in Canada to have a room that people are in without windows. Oh, dude, that's a very common thing. And it's and it actually, hmm. especially in in where I live here in the upper Midwest, where we have these long winters, and you already get a limited amount of sunlight by we you know us all our kids our students and our teachers i think it really does have a a drastic effect as far as on student learning so having a window to the outside is a super important thing actually that's one of the things that certain teachers when they go into a school they want to make sure that they get a classroom that does have sunlight that does provide real light from the outside and that they're not walled in Uh, i've worked at Probably the last few different schools that I've had, there's several different classrooms that are that lack sunlight. Basically, they have no outside windows, um, and that's a that's a problem. We know it's a problem, and so it needs to be addressed as far as the the architectural thing. I would call it, consider that to be an essential element. Uh, safety is, of course, super important in the way you structure of yeah. school, clean. You said a good environment to be able to learn, but it, the the tipping point, the tipping point is really, of course, your educators you know that's really what is the essential you know do you need that stunning school if you had that stunning school with you know so-so educators you're going to get a so-so yeah. product uh doesn't no, of matter course. yeah just like when we talked about that heavy use of uh tech in the la school district um you know when they oh, a heavy emphasis of buying all these ipads whatever it might be no professional development and then you expect something magical to happen and it doesn't actually the opposite happens same thing yeah. with, I, th- I believe that a building is the same thing i think we mean you've had the same discussion too with uh, flexible seating and the classrooms themselves like how yeah. how important is that for learning it can be something that could be positive for your classrooms but again the teacher is the is the catalyst to whether or not this is going to you know provide that next level of student learning one of the things that you, you just kind of alluded to that made me think of something in canada our education system isn't as so I, I'm going to frame this actually the other way. In the United States, the education system runs in a lot more of a market economy type fashion in the sense that there's a lot more mobility for teachers between boards, between between school districts. People move entirely across the country just kind of like that. Yes. That doesn't happen hardly ever in Canada. When you're with a school district, you're there almost your entire, virtually your entire life. There's hardly any mobility. It's, it's not involuntary but intentionally unmobile like people don't move on purpose right they may move schools but they don't generally move within districts but one of the things that having new modern schools is that it attracts teachers right so if you if you're trying to like hire the best possible educators um for for these opportunities to to teach in like these these gorgeous new schools, these brand new state of the art of facilities, will be a a a thing that attracts good quality teachers to your to your district to your school. You can say, look at the space you're going to work in, isn't it gorgeous? And and I think that that is a great way to attract. Obviously, we know good work environments, you know, attract good staff, 
Um, this is what, you know, Silicon Valley has been doing for the better part of 20 years. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for having a, a great looking, aesthetically pleasing work environment. So another article that came up, uh, and this is this has gotten around uh, a little bit and, and is a little bit interesting, this idea of um, social media at school and companies that monitor your social media, the students' social media, right? Yeah, this, the school districts are actually hiring companies like this one specifically is called the Social Sentinel. Um, and what they do is they monitor public posts on social media from all users, including adults on you know Facebook and Twitter, probably even Snapchat, because that's where the students would actually live at. That's where the kids are. Exactly. And and then what it's doing is it's, it's flagging things that they consider to be inappropriate, threats, etc. And, and then those reports get sent to the administration within the school district. So some of the things that are getting flagged are uh, harmless, um, but they are being flagged as something harmful, you know, potentially harmful to, to the student environment. Uh, and so the controversy is there is everything that gets posted on social media, I guess is public domain. Obviously it is, right, Mike? Um, and so, yeah, yeah. and so then if you post it there, can that now be used basically against you as a student as something, you know, where they, the school can take action? And the answer is yes, they, that is the case. So it's a weird uh, thing. Both of these stories are, are the, the concerns of privacy versus safety. And because we're living in the world that we're living in right now, uh, which is right. a an environment where a bunch of school shootings are are and have happened, do we give up some of our uh, privacy to uh, basically to ensure our safety as a as a school as a school district? So this is a super interesting thing. And the tweet here that was written by a, a student, Amanda. If you go take a look at it, it's really harmless. But if if you take out just a couple of words of it, like the last line, it says, I would die for you. You, right. you. you hear that or you read that and you're like, okay, something's up here. We need to be concerned. But in the context of the entire tweet, really, there was nothing there. Uh, and that's happened quite a bit on uh, as far as a bunch of these incidences. That's what this article is describing is is how far are we willing to go for safety so that uh, and how, how much privacy are we willing to give up so that our students are safe? This is a might be a, an interesting kind of Canada versus United States discussion in the sense that in the U.S. there is a giant um, sometimes. I don't want to say unreasonable. I'm trying to think of an oversized notion of, of you know, what you would call freedom. I'm using air quotes. Uh, and that, that everything, you know, that people do and where they do it and how they do it is blanketed by, you know, f- quote unquote freedom. Um, I'm fine giving up a little of my privacy for a little bit more safety. I'm completely fine with that. And I don't feel that my freedom is necessarily being curtailed. I'm not less free because the FBI, you know, tracks, you know, me 
or like the general population just a little bit more to make sure that you know people can't drive into me while I'm at a party on the street you know somewhere at a like at an event or um or you know shooting up a, a school which is absolutely crazy i mean one of the the other examples in this article came up about um uh cruise the 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 guy who who attacked um uh, the Storm parkland and shooting yep doug parkland and that there were social media triggers everywhere that this kid was planning stuff and had these ideas and had these thoughts so you know i can understand why you would say listen if we had this sentinel program running at at you know parkland they may have been able to see at least it could have been flagged by social sentinel what was going on and it could have been uh possibly prevented now don't get me wrong i think that the source of prevention shouldn't be at tracking people's social media we got to you know, there's conversations about guns and mental health that have to come way before whether we're spying on people on social media. Yes. Right? So don't misunderstand me, but I'm saying that because you don't monitor your guns and you aren't really putting money into healthcare for, for mental health related to violence, I mean, let's do something for God's sake. And maybe this is just one of those small things. I just think that one of the stories that comes out about this related to this article is that it's a little too it's it's flagging things that shouldn't be flagged right like this Amanda this tweet from this student Amanda um, where now things are being blown out of proportion that aren't anything at all uh, and and probably being looked at by you know 50 or 60 year old dudes who just don't have any context about what it's like to live in a, you know, be in a school environment and know what students are doing and thinking and saying and how they act and how they talk to each other. And I mean, one of the, I'm, I'm going on a little bit here, but there's some really interesting things that are just popping into my head constantly about this. But one of the classic like responses now to when you see something on Twitter is this like this quote unquote, I'm dead or I'm dying. Right. People say that all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure. And there's tons of memes. I mean, if you typed that, which is totally innocuous, it's it's nothing. Right. It, it's literally just saying this is great. And I'm laughing so hard. I'm dying. I'm crying. I'm, I'm losing it. It's so funny. But that could be easily blown out of proportion by something like this social sentinel. And now you have to go to the office and you have to like spend time with the principal and maybe go to the counselor and like have a meeting with your parents and like, oh, my God, just because you you said, oh, I'm dying on, on Twitter. Right. So I can see how this could easily be blown out of proportion. Yeah. And I mean, the, the biggest conversation that's going to happen from this is basically the continuing trend towards, you know, the big brother theme, you know, basically, yeah. are we willing to, how far are we willing to go? That's a better question to be safe. Right. And yeah. basically how far, how many, how much of our privacy are we willing to give up to feel again, yeah. using your air quotes safe. And that is going to be a big question. Both now we talk about in schools, because the next topic is, is about within the school itself, but this is on social media. Too. So basically, know uh, we got to inform our students that not only do you have to 
be smart about what you post on social media, which is super important, obviously. But just understand that it's not just your friends or just random people on the outside that are looking at your accounts. In this case, it's a company that's looking and seeing if anything that you write is inappropriate, threatening, uh, you know, harassment, etc. And so Big Brother is watching. It's an interesting conversation. And I, I actually want to go ahead and bring on some guests to talk more about this, like whether or not we're at that tipping point and how far are we should we be willing to go ahead and go? I mean, and it can get next level like this New York district uh, in Western New York that is launching a facial recognition system. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure where my line is, but holy crap, this is pretty <laughs> legit, right? I mean, I mean, this is when when you when you read articles about China and about like yeah. um, like the authoritarianism and the the police state and, and stuff like that. Almost all of them now reference China's unprecedented facial recognition system that is basically just everywhere. Yes, tracking every single person all of the time, and um, you know, I, I don't. Again, I don't know where my personal line is because this this world is changing so much, and this stuff is just starting to come up, and I haven't had a chance to wrap my head around it. But uh, I mean, what would you? How would you feel if you walked into your school in the morning, you, you come through the front doors and the first thing you have to do every morning is just turn your head towards yeah. the, towards a camera and get them to get a little snappy of your, of your, of your face, do a selfie a little bit and, and then go on your day. But, <laughs> but I mean, now they're tracking, you know, everything all the time. And, and how would you feel about having your face all over the place? I know. And then the biggest thing too, Mike is how, can we actually trust these companies, you know, to keep our data private? And what we're talking about is, in this case, our data is our actual faces. How can that now be, you know, or or that it's safe from other people that it won't get hacked and then used for some other type of purpose? Um, and that's the scary part of all of this stuff is, is we are giving up some of our freedoms. I, in this case, too, is is if you walk up to a door, it's scanning your your face. It recognizes that that face is Glenn Irvin associated with this specific social security number, this date of birth, and then all of the things on down the line. And so, right. it, is that just the reality, or should we be putting like, hey, let's put the brakes on this, and we don't want to go down that path? Uh, you know, of that Tom Cruise movie where he's walking down the thing and all the ads are targeting him, as we had talked about before. And and they're recognizing him because it's his face, you know, or whatever it might be, or uh, the ocular technology. Uh, so it's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy because it's here. It's now. And it's actually being proposed within this specific school district. So that means it's coming to all of us. Let me tell you, if this district... If I even hear a sniff from this district about complaining about not having access to things like Chromebooks or <laughs> resources or iPads or yeah. or other other technology tools, I'm going to freaking lose it because the the money that they're using for this was given to them by a grant from the state of New York that you had to apply to, but it was for districts to pay for technology and education. And they were also allowed to use it for for security. Yeah, a lot and of so school districts they are. said they said, hey, instead of buying Chromebooks for our kids, instead of like you could probably fund it like because your districts are fairly small. And I have no idea how small this district is. But I mean, 
if it was like three or four elementary schools and, and one or two high schools, I bet you could do a one-to-one Chromebook program for the whole district for the amount of money that this nonsense costs. Yeah, and, um, but it's being demanded, and, though, uh, by, the, by the communities. You know, the communities mm, see this, they see these kind of things in media, which it, it's happening right now. We all know that we've talked about it, whatever it might be. And so it, right, mm-hmm. those, the companies then sell a product to solve that problem, which in the end, we've had the discussion, is that really the, where the root of the problem is? Probably not. We're talking about mental health and then uh, some sort of gun reform. Those are the first two things that should be taken care of. And then, of course, we should have safety within our schools, safety systems. This might be the next level, you know, the next, like, taking it too far. So speaking of, you know, things that are uncertain, uh, our politics, our environment, and obviously now our safety and the future of work. So many things are uncertain about our future when we come back we'll talk about whether we're doing it wrong should we be putting so much focus into computer science and coding specifically so stay tuned do you have plans to attend the ISTE conference this summer come one day early and participate in the best hidden gem conference in the united states badge summit 2019 will take place on the temple university campus in philadelphia pennsylvania on june 22nd there will be lots of wicked smart educators to collaborate with on topics such as digital badges credentials gamification and more to learn more about badge summit simply visit bit.ly slash badge summit All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. A couple weeks ago, there was a pretty interesting article up on Vox that uh, was flagged to us. Mark Cuban, billionaire extraordinaire, owner of the Dallas Mavericks and um, well-known uh, opinionist, mm-hmm. I-, I could say. TV personality. Um, yeah. You know, had a had a pretty solid hot take on the value of computer science, saying that he thinks computer science degrees and coders, quote unquote, quoters will um their value will diminish over time um pretty interesting article eh yeah big time interesting and he actually went on to say that 20 years from now so that's not actually that far so we have our elementary students right now uh that'll be in the middle you know the beginning of their career let's call it uh you know beginning sections of their career that 20 years from now if you are a coder you might be out of a job uh, because he says it's just math. And so whatever we're defining the AI to do, someone's got to know the topic. So, for example, if you're going to have the AI emulate Shakespeare, somebody better know Shakespeare. So he is advocating that uh, the coding major who graduates this year probably has a better short-term opportunity than the liberal arts major. But that's just the short term. In, in the long term, they could be out of a job. So it's a really interesting discussion. Are we making too hard of a push for this computer science, um, you know, the computer science majors, the degrees, the skill set within our schools and our environment? Because we're all talking about it and we're all saying, what are we doing to make sure that we can fill these jobs? Because we've even talked about it. You've said it several times. There's all of these jobs that are open right now and they're really high paying job opportunities how are we going to fill those jobs? Uh, and Mark mm-hmm. Cuban saying, hold on a sec. Don't fill everybody in those because then eventually those will be gone. And we'll be kind of, again, kind of the point that we're at right now with like uh, auto or just a few years ago where we're with uh, 
our whole auto manufacturers and and that's all of our people that were our blue collar workforce and they kind of were yeah. out of jobs then eventually and then now had to figure out what are they going to do next so i think what he's what he's talking about specifically is people who all they do is is write code or debug code or like are like heavy into just like strictly coders I think though I actually pretty strongly agree with Mark that those jobs could be outsourced just as easily as tons of other jobs that are being outsourced these days. Uh, you know, AI can do coding. We, obviously, AI could do coding. AI can do so many things. Of course, they uh, AI could write you know code if we if we set it up. One of the things that he talks about in this article that I absolutely love is that he's talking about the things that so many other educators are talking about these days, which is a focus on you know, creativity, collaboration, and communication, the three Cs. And listen, what he's saying is that if you just code, you're not going to you might not have a job in 20 years. You need to bring more than just coding to the table. You need to be a creative coder, a collaborative coder, and be able to communicate something. You need to have other skills other than... What I worry about is the computer science folks who you know, just want to sit there and smash keyboards and, and, and type away and, and, and code. And they want to make like 120, 130 grand a year doing it. And those jobs are out there right now. There's tons sure. of people doing ex exactly, exactly that. that. And they, this is their job and this is their dream job. But I tell you, I'd be worried about those people, the people who have, you know, uh, you know, very little, you know, personality capability of, you know, expanding other than, other than learning more code. Um, you've got to bring more and you've got to stretch yourself. So it's a challenge. This is an awesome challenge to educators, an awesome challenge to educators. To I, I still think we should continue to teach coding, but we need to be intermixing it with things like collaboration, communication, and creativity. We need to be bringing those, what we would, again, still call the 21st century skills to the table when we're teaching computer science because we need to have these kids be capable of not just understanding this little world of coding, but understanding the entire world around them. Yeah. And I mean, talking about the, the world around them, using coding then to be able to go and solve real world problems and starting that when you are in a school environment where you are kind of in a safe place and then being able to go and say, hey, we're not going to just learn this specific skill. We are going to learn that skill. How can we transfer that skill to solve this other problem? We've seen many examples of those kinds of things, which are just phenomenal. The The issue that I can see basically happening is similar to what you're just talking about is I just see it as there's this, these corporations that are out there and they need you yeah. to come in to work for them to, as you just said, smash keyboards and do the work for the corporation and get paid a very good amount of money. Yeah. Everything that you then do and create and do the, within that company itself is for that is yours. for that company. So what Mark Cuban is yep. just saying, hey, just just having that entrepreneurial spirit and and being willing to go in and get out there and take risks and doing those kinds of things and create for yourself and maybe even do it on the side, you know, even that, and then mm -hmm. eventually grow something mm -hmm. out of it. That's 
uh, that, that kind of uh, trait, I want to call it, is amazing. And we need to go ahead and continue to foster that in schools. And, and he's a big advocate of that in general, just making sure that obviously with Shark Tank and, and all of the work that they do with schools and kids, it's not just about the show and promoting itself. It's basically about making sure that uh, the United States and Canada, we're, we're basically giving our kids the opportunities and the skills to become these next entrepreneurs, to develop the next big things that will solve all of those world problems. And one of those skills is computer science. But as some other people were responding to me on Twitter, other skills there are things like the soft skills that we were just talking about. Uh, yep. ability to be able to speak different languages and in a bunch of other things that you may learn in a liberal arts uh, kind of environment too. It, it, I mean, having a social studies degree opens up, you know, the whole world and your perspective on other races, other cultures, other religions, other societies, and you start to think in a more global way about, about you know, where you live and, and what you're doing. And when you have a global perspective about other people and where they come from, you can take that and bring that to, you know, a computer science degree um, then and do really powerful, incredible things. Um, and that's, I think, the, the real focus of what Mark is saying is, is that we need more than just people who 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 type on keyboards and and you know put brackets and ellipses and, <laughs> and you know if if this then that um, we need people to you know be be whole people that have a whole perspective on the world and also a whole perspective on what they do as computer science people um, and I think that um, I think that we're uh, at least I am and and you know the folks that we know are really working hard to to do that. Unfortunately, our interview with John Spencer had to be postponed to a later show, but we are excited to speak with him about his new book, design thinking, and much, much more. Thanks so much for joining us and have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Irvin. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we'd be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or on the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks, as always, for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.